You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to the Oz Network. As we come here for something we haven't done in actually quite some time. It's a movie review, a spoiler-free movie review, as we talk about the latest superhero movie that's a odd superhero movie, Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Robert De Niro, and uh, this is a this is a very very unique movie, which I know we're both very intrigued to talk about. My name is Ben, and send in the clowns. My name is Mallory, and <laughs> I, I was going to do a lot of laughing and just that, but um, laughter and the Oz Network don't usually go hand in hand together, so I just thought, um, yeah. Uh, so, so Joker... Uh, Mallory, Joker, I, I want you to go first because you, you have some intriguing viewpoints on this intriguing film. Okay, so my standpoint is a little bit confusing, but that's okay. So emotionally, he's okay, don't worry. Emotionally, There's a cat in the room if people are wondering I what feel she's talking he's, about. He, he's in his chicken suit, and he doesn't walk and jump very well in his chicken suit, so I just wanted to make sure that he got to the floor okay without hurting himself. Yep, just just breaking news. Our cat is in a chicken suit, yes. It's really cute. Um, we're, we're not cruel parents. No. Point of the story. No. Um, what was I saying? You said you... Oh, emotional. Yes, emotional. So... The emotional part of me says it was disturbing. I never want to see it ever again in my entire life. The critical part of me, which there isn't very much, let's be honest, but the critical part of me goes, oh my gosh, that was a beautifully done movie. It was inspired. Joaquin Phoenix was amazing. The directing was amazing. The music was amazing. But I still don't ever want to see it again because it was so well done that it made me feel so awful the entire time yeah it's I, i'll just flat out say i loved it um but i it's it's one of these ones where i can see everything that mallory's saying because i mean even the critics are so polarized on this film because it's just such a, a unique take on everything that you know about this character it's a unique take on the superhero genre and I, I think I was thinking a lot about this today because we saw it last night. And I, I think kind of you've got to liken this to those initial reactions when people first saw Batman Begins back in 2005. Because before Batman Begins, we'd not seen a film like that, like that sort of take on a superhero. Superhero movies and comic book movies were all just so campy and, and sort of very just entertainment popcorn movies. And they just weren't exactly films that took anything seriously from the source material. Batman Begins changed it. And Batman Begins changed cinema. You know, really, we had so many different takes now. It was all the dark, gritty retakes on everything. You know, we had that with James Bond, uh, all these superhero movies. Just so many things changed because of Batman Begins coming about. But this is where I think this movie takes it to a new level because as, as, as realistic as Batman Begins was in, in turning a superhero movie into a more realistic take... There's still very much, you know, campy elements and and unrealistic elements to Batman Begins and things like that. Whereas this this movie is so grounded in realism. There, there's nothing 
I would say, fantasy about this film. This this is a, a movie that legitimately could happen because it just this is what Joaquin Phoenix does to the, the role of the Joker. It's just he makes it on such a level of believability and, and you you empathize with this guy, you feel for this guy, but at the same time you feel absolutely sick and disturbed at just what this guy ends up doing and it, I haven't felt that way coming out of a movie in a, in a very long time. Just that you were, you were moved to the point of uncomfortability in this film. You, bless you. Um, you, you even said to me, you were very close to walking out on this film. Um, it's just the, the range of emotions you feel it's, and I appreciate that. I, I, as I said to you, I, I liked walking out of that and feeling that way with this film, but, um, yeah, it's this is a movie I think that will stick with you, be it a positive or a negative side. I think it's probably more so a negative side for you because, as you said, you don't really ever want to see it again. But you're never going to forget this movie. Fair and oh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, I was just going to say like it. It is a shocking film. Very. Like, I think that that really resonates with me, and I think that it was an interesting thing for me because I don't think I've ever sat in a movie theater for two hours and had absolute silence from the audience like there were definitely a couple moments where a couple people laughed and i was like what are you doing like why are you laughing right now this is uncomfortable and like the fact that there were moments when maybe two people in the theater would laugh i was just like no that's not okay um and like that to me is it was just it was shocking Mm. yeah absolutely and i think yeah, there, there is, uh, particularly sort of as sort of he develops more into the Joker, more so um, than from kind of his original self, like you get these disturbing elements. And, and I think like, look, I'm not one who's read a lot of comics, so I'm, I'm not too sure when it comes to a lot of Joker backstory in the comics. But from what I've seen in, in all the movies and, and some of the TV shows I've seen, you know, this is obviously a very disturbing character. This, this is why people love Joker. I mean, he's arguably the most famous comic book villain out there. And this is why people always appreciate and talk so much about this character because he's got these layers of everything about him that makes him so wickedly evil and everything. And that's kind of what I was saying to you last night about how I always appreciate a good movie villain when... It, it's sort of layered there, sadistically evil, but I also like it when you can kind of put enough of a layer on that character where you can humanise him to a point and empathise him with to a point, but you definitely don't end this movie feeling for him as much as you do in certain parts of this movie because ultimately what he turns into and what he does is just far beyond the reaches of wrong, but you can still understand the path that, takes him there if that makes sense and i've seen a lot of these reviews sort of the negative ones are kind of questioning what this does for people with with mental illnesses and some people are saying this sort of glorifies these kind of things and it's going to send a bad message out there for that but i I don't disagree yeah I, i disagree with that too because i think you can't play it safe sometimes with a character like this just to appease a certain audience so you don't you know, because like again, if you were to if you were to analyze anything in a comic book world and you want to legitimately ground it and make it completely realistic, this is what Joker would be. Mm. This like this is exactly what type of person Joker would be to become this comic book supervillain. Um and it just and Joaquin Phoenix was perfect. Like absolutely perfect. He is one of the 
the best actors in the last 25 years, one of the most under... Uh, awarded actors in the last 25 years. The fact this guy has not won an Academy Award is, is a travesty. And, I mean, he owns any character he plays. But, look, you and I were working out what movies we've seen him in. But this is, this look, I've this is the best I've seen him in. And, I, and I, I'm saying it right now, and this might be recency bias. People might say this. But, uh, to me, the best portrayal of the Joker I've ever seen, better than Heath Ledger. See, I said to you last night, if I were to rate it right now, I would agree better than Heath Ledger. But... I don't have, I haven't seen Heath Ledger's version recent enough to, to be able to say, like, oh, it was amazing. But, like I said to you last night, utterly inspired, if you're inspired by pure evil. Like, it was just, it, it gives me chills to think about. Like, I just, I still feel exactly how I felt last night sitting in the movie theater as I'm talking about it right now. And I say often walking out of, darker movies or scarier movies like oh this is gonna be give me nightmares but like last night i didn't have nightmares don't get me wrong it wasn't like that scary but i had like i kept waking up from my dreams and having this impression that like oh like the joker was in my dreams and like that to me like freaks me out because i'm like i know that this movie affected me on an emotional level and on like it was it was personal even though the entire time i'm thinking He's an actor. He's playing a character. This isn't who he is. And it's hard because it was so realistic. And it legitimately, like, the first half an hour is where you just, you feel for him. And your heart breaks every single second. And you just want to cry. And you're so sad. And then, but it's also anticipation, Mm. I think, in that first little bit where it's like, oh, like, your life is awful. I just want to hug you but I also know what your life becomes and you're just waiting for the pin to drop. And I think that that's part of what made this movie so well done because, like, you know what's going to happen, but you just don't know where the path is going exactly. And yeah, Which I think is a lot of why people like Joker as well because of a villain he kind of has, you know, lots of layers and kind of people always, you know, you never know what you're going to get with him. He's a bit unhinged. And I think kind of this does a very good job in explaining kind of how he turns into that. Because, like, going back to Heath Ledger and sort of, you know, how amazing he obviously was in The Dark Knight, I think a lot of that came down to that that grittier, darker performance. He was a lot more unhinged. He was, you know, sadistic and kind of you just never knew what you were going to get with him. And, like, this to me is the type of backstory that I could have imagined from a Heath Ledger Joker as well like you know you've probably you've never seen the 1989 Batman with with Jack Nicholson you know very campy very comic book-esque and a lot of people appreciate that style of Joker like I get that people appreciate that type of film Jared Leto was kind of just very uh, I just I still don't know how to digest his version of the Joker like I, I don't hate it but it's also it's very unique and it's just a very different take on that, which I think fit very well into Suicide Squad, but it's just, yeah, I don't know how on the grand scheme of things that would work on whether or not we see him again or not. But, yeah, this, this had these levels. And, like, kind of you said it, like, in the beginning, you know, you feel that. And I think that's what's really good about iconic villains or sort of these movies where they are playing. It's not, it's not even an anti-hero because an anti-hero is a bad guy or somebody's doing bad things where at the end of the day you are meant to feel and feel for them and really connect with them and at the end of the day empathize with them more. Like, you know, you think of, you know, TV shows, Breaking Bad, Dexter, you know, they're horrible people doing horrible things, but you like them and you're rooting for them even though they're breaking the law and doing bad things. 
This to me, the, the comparison that I kind of thought about, and again, this is not a movie you've seen, but I've talked to you about this, um, was the movie Monster, which was Charlize Theron. She was playing the female th- serial killer Eileen Warnos. And, you know, incredible. One of the best acting performances I've ever seen, the biggest transformations you ever see. And this whole movie, you, again, the build up to her doing these horrible things. She killed like 10 men or something along those lines. But you see just how horrible of a life she's had, how badly she's treated that leads her to that inevitable path of becoming a sadistic serial killer. Where by the end of the film, you you don't want, like, you think, oh my God, you're a horrible person. But you can see. Remember we watched um, I, Tonya last year? And again, I. I know Tonya Harding's not a serial killer, but she obviously was involved in a very infamous moment with Nancy Kerrigan and the whole breaking of the leg and all that sort of stuff. But we talked a lot about that, didn't we? Where it was like, it was hard to feel sorry for this woman at the end, but you can ultimately see why she was why she was, if that makes sense. Yes and no. and But yes, like I, I understand the comparisons in this. And I think, okay... I I don't want to excuse the behavior in any way. And I understand why there are reviews out there that are saying that this is excusing behavior. I, I do understand why people might think that. But I think that it is almost an uneducated opinion. Mm. Because in the... In the beginning of the movie, I think there are moments where you do excuse his behavior. But as the movie progresses, you realize, no, like, this is not okay. Like, there's something seriously wrong. He needs to be locked up. But that being said, at the even at the very end of the movie, your heart just breaks for him. Yeah. Like, it's not excusing the behavior. I think it's more of a, like, empathizing pity. And it's not often where, like... There's moments where you cry and you cry and you cry in movies. And it's like, oh, my heart is breaking for you. But this is more of, it's more emotional than that. It's more raw than that. And I think that that pure raw emotion is, again, what makes this movie amazing. And that, and that to me is what, yeah, I, I completely agree. because And that is what, when you can leave a movie and feel this array of emotions, I think that that is a a fantastically put together piece of film and technically and and just the way this film looks the music the the cinematography just everything about this film sticks with you and this is where kind of I go back to that comparison when like the first time you saw Batman Begins you left the cinema going wow that was an amazing like this is a comic book movie and you know whispers of this being nominated for an Oscar and you know the Dark Knight robbed of not getting nominated for an Oscar and yet this movie Again, Oscar buzz, absolutely. Joaquin Phoenix, I'm telling you right now, got to be the favourite for best uh, actor mm-hmm. just based on this performance. But just it just sticks with you. And, and I just want to point out, this is from Todd Phillips. This is a guy who did the Hangover trilogy. This is a guy who did Borat. It's it's incredible to me that he's got that resume and this is the movie he can put together. And I, I applaud Todd Phillips because, you know, besides the Farrelly, uh, whichever Farrelly brother it was earlier this year who won the best, uh, was one of the producers, got best picture for uh, Green Book. And you got to look at the fact that he was making There's Something About Mary and Shallow How and these kind of fart, gross-out comedies 20 years ago and now he's an Academy Award winner. Like, maybe not quite a stretch as what to, uh you know to Todd Phillips here but still from from the hangover and Borat to this wow I had a friend who has yet to see this movie say to me today oh 
and I hadn't told him how I felt about it yet. But I was like, oh, I saw the Joker last night. Let me tell you about it. And he's like, oh, was it awful? Because what did he say his name was? Todd Todd Phillips Phillips directed it. And I was like, no, it was amazing. Who's Todd Phillips? (laughs) Well, it's it's, it's interesting because, yeah, I think – you know, he's maybe not an, an A, you know, top of the list name. You know, it's not, it's not like Martin Scorsese or Steven Spielberg or someone like this when I you think, automatically know who it is. But, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I think this is an unfair um, depiction of me not knowing who he is because I don't know who anyone is. I know who Steven Spielberg is, but like any other name I but I, but I think But I think that, and not being disrespectful to you, you kind of represent the, the everyday fan who... You know, you're going to see the name Steven Spielberg attached to a picture. You, even, I'm sure you even know who Quentin Tarantino is. You've heard the name, you know, like, but like, Todd, it's not like pe- people go and see a movie because it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. People go and see a Steven Spielberg movie. They see a Martin Scorsese movie. I, and this is no disrespect to Todd Phillips and his fan base, but I don't think you see a Todd Phillips film and people are like, you're seeing this because it's a Joker movie. Mm-hmm. And that's where the bums are on the seats for this. Definitely. And I think going back to you talking about how it's a comic book movie and how walking out of Batman Begins and Dark Knight, you're like, oh, it's a comic book film. This is not a comic book film. Like, I realize, yes, it is based, well, very loosely in my opinion, on comics. Okay, there's one plot hole in my mind that you kind of explained out of. I don't know if that's a spoiler. Is that a spoiler? Which one? The the whole thing that Batman's really young in this. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't think it's a spoiler. People, I think, know that there's going to be an appearance from Bruce well, in this. I just, I expected an older Bruce to make an appearance in this. And the fact that he was not the age I was expecting, to me, was a plot hole. But again, you did explain it, but I still don't know if I you explained it the plot hole out for me like that was the one thing that I kind of had a problem with but again it is loosely based on the comics it's not as far as we know a true form I don't know, well, Do you know what I from mean, what, what I was been reading you know I know exactly what you're saying, but for what I've been reading there's never really been a true uh 100% you know solid backstory of, of the Joker. Like, it's not like we all know how Bruce Wayne becomes Batman. We all know how Clark Kent becomes Superman. Like, we, we've heard the story 101 times before. We know how it happens. Uh, from As far as I know from what I've read, there's never been a 100% this is how the Joker becomes the Joker. Like, it's open to interpretation. And that gave Todd Phillips a lot of free will in kind of this story. And I think kind of you make a good point when you say... Yeah, this isn't really a comic book film. Like you, you can go into this having never heard of the Joker, having never heard of Batman, and this is still a great movie. That mm-hmm. you know, it's just you, you don't need that knowledge. And I think this again will. This is going to open doors now, and this is going to create new ways of portraying these characters because this is the most realistic depiction of any form of comic book that I've ever seen. In in terms of the fact that this does feel so realistic. And I think kind of what's what's unique and interesting about this, and and I initially went into this skeptical because I'm a I'm a big DC fan. I like the DCEU. I'm the only DCEU fan out there, basically, probably me and Colin. And I didn't initially like the fact that they were kind of going rogue on this. This actually has no connection to the DCEU. It's separate. It's part of what they're calling DC Black, where they're kind of going to have these sort of side stories that have no connection to it. But I'm I'm actually like impressed that they've done this, and kind of it kind of works because. 
this isn't set in the modern day. This is set in 1981. So it kind of, it does leave a bit of leg room there where they might be able to integrate in. I read some theories of what they could do and do here and that. But it, but it is done in such a way where you don't feel jarred by it. Like, you know, it'd be like if, if now that Disney, I mean, they own everything basically, but if all of a sudden they decided with the Fantastic Four or with X-Men to say like, hey, we're still going to make these kind of separately and not include them in the MCU, you're going to be disappointed. I'm like, well, okay, well, what the hell? But then they make something where it actually works and it kind of like, okay, well, you understand what they're doing there. And for everything that I've read with interviews with Todd Phillips and everything, you know, he's fully said that this is meant to be a complete standalone movie. I have no intention on making a sequel of this Mm -hmm. film, no matter what happens with this movie. And I, for one right now, would say I would completely agree with that. This doesn't deserve a sequel. Well, okay. It, you can easily have a sequel out. I shouldn't say it doesn't deserve one, but I think that would take away from what they've done with this movie. We don't need a sequel for this film. And, yeah, I, I applaud everything that DC, Warner Brothers, Todd Phillips, you know, the involvement, and Joaquin Phoenix as well, because this movie was written with him in mind. There was there was reports that Leonardo DiCaprio was going to be attached to this film, but then basically Todd Phillips said, like, no, I wrote this with the pure intention of having Joaquin Phoenix attached to this project. Joaquin Phoenix has been offered many a role in the MCU and DCU over the years, but he's constantly turned it down because he's not someone who likes to get attached to franchises and kind of do this sort of stuff. He's, he's a type of actor who explores different ways of doing things and i respect him for doing that so this always ended up being the perfect fit for him and you want to know a really odd fact that i also found out last night in terms of sort of connecting this with like the dceu obviously we've got jared leto as joker in that version and we've got this jared leto is actually older than joaquin phoenix Right, no the look you're looking way. at me. So, if you kind of watch this to Suicide Squad, there's no way you would picture that together because they don't really make any effort to make Joaquin Phoenix look young in this movie. Yeah, I found that out last night that Jared Leto is older than Joaquin Phoenix. Now, okay, not to do with anything that you're talking about, but can we just talk about how skinny he was in this movie? He lost 28 kilos for this movie, I believe. Um, 60 pounds for those of yeah, you who don't do just, kilos. I mean, I could be off on a few bits, but it was, it was around that figure. Yeah, no, like he, it's it's disturbing. and mm. the, 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 But what I think what I appreciate about it is that that adds to that whole level of what we're talking about. I agree. Because... You know, there's a scene particularly like he's kind of like uh, fixing a shoe and you just can't help but be transfixed on one of his shoulders and his arms because it's so bony, it's so skinny. And like there's there's something with one of his arms that almost looks detached. Like it's kind of – it's very strange and – I mean, he's shirtless a lot in this movie which generally would excite Mm. people like Mallory, Jamie, listening, all that sort of stuff. But it's not done on a level where it's meant to be attractive in any form. It's not attractive in any form, and I think it makes the movie that much better because he's not an attractive character, and you Mm. don't you don't want him to be an attractive character in any way, and he's he's not. But he's a character that you sympathize for. I don't know if empathize is quite the right word. Like I I want to have empathy towards him. But I don't know if I actually do. But I definitely sympathize towards him. And I pity him. And I just... I want for the world to be better for him. Mm. I, I, I cannot put into words enough how amazing Joaquin Phoenix is in this film. Um, and, I mean, look, for, through all the, the mixed reviews this film... Because this is kind of... 
I want to say it's The Last Jedi in the fact that you either love it or hate it. Like, it really is kind of that level of, of movie because the reviews, just there's not really a middle ground of a review. The reviews are either praising the hell out of this or saying it's not a good movie, but at the end of it, everyone is praising Joaquin Phoenix. Mm. I'm I'm going to say yes and no and agree with that because I, I think that I am on the opposite spectrum of where you're at because you love this movie and I don't. But I love how this movie was put together, and I love what it looks like on the screen, even though it makes me feel awful. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think... I don't know if a reviewer takes that into account when they review... Oh, but they would, yeah. But do you know what I mean? Because last night I said to you, like, I don't know how to rate this movie on our scale of rating on the show, because I don't know how to put both of these completely opposite ends into one word, you know? One thing that I will say too with Joaquin Phoenix, which I appreciate, I read an interview with him where he basically said he he based his performance a lot more on reading material from, uh, you know, infamous killers and sort of psychopaths in history. And he said he didn't actually watch any of the, the previous versions of the Joker, which I, I, I'm fascinated by that he's able to sort of portray how he, he did because... You know, we talked earlier this year, say, like Aladdin and kind of, you know, we, a lot of people feared that Will Smith was just going to go in there and give us a Robin Williams impersonation, but he gave his own take on it. Um, and that's where I can, like, respect, like, Jared Leto. Like, he puts his own take on the Joker. He's Ledger put his own take. Like, and before he's Ledger, Jack Nicholson was the ultimate, you know, bath when it came to to the Joker. Uh, he was, I mean, really, realistically, in movies, obviously we had the 1960s version, um, and I forgot, forget his name, of course. But, you know, Mark Hamill maybe was the quintessential one, and that was he was a voice actor, of course, by that point. But, I, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun fact that I read about that with Joaquin Phoenix. Other, other people in this movie, just quickly mentioned Robert De Niro. I mean, Robert De Niro is Robert De Niro. Incredible. And I, I will say, like, it's been a while, I think, since Robert De Niro has really been in a good movie. He's kind of, you know, gotten a bit of a reputation of kind of being in dud movies. But he's great. So he, he plays a talk show host, Murray Franklin. And without, I'm not going to use spoilers, but the, the, the ultimate scene between him and Joaquin Phoenix, like, that scene... Um, combines everything that we're talking about here where you go through empathy, disgust, disturbing, shock, like everything about that final scene with these two is just you just you're just blown away in so many levels and it's just it's yeah and that's right at the end of the movie really and it's just it's it's confronting and it's just like everything about it. And one thing too that I also really appreciate about this movie are the red herrings where kind of it's edited and put together in a way where you're believing so many things and then all of a sudden you realize like there's a twist and, but, like, the, the thing is, which I'll say, sorry to just quickly jump in, is that it's not even played for, like, oh, my God, Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father. Sorry, I know. You, oh, no, you did see the Empire Strikes Back. Sorry, I didn't want to ruin that. I just um, but, yeah, you did. You fell asleep in that <laughs> key moment. Um, but, like, this is done in such a way where when it's revealed that there's, like, two that I'm thinking of that are, like, a, a not really how it was, you're like, oh, my God, like, yeah, wow. Like, and it's done really cleverly. There are moments that you think are reality that aren't. And I agree. It is, it's beautiful. Like, I just, I don't have the words to describe how smart they were in how they put together this movie and how they planned everything. Like, it, it is truly a piece of art. Like, I, oh, I just want it to win everything. (laughs) And I know it's too early for Oscar season, but I just want it to win everything because it's just, yeah, it it truly is a piece of work. Like the the I mean, this is and I, I mean I agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. Um, this this isn't really a stacked film. It's kind of it is really just Joaquin Phoenix. He owns it. But then you've got Robert There's De Niro. Three characters. 
Ford? You've, well, you've got the mother, Frances Conroy, who I, I like Frances Conroy. She's uh, been in lots of things that I've seen. She was uh, a lot of Ryan Murphy shows. So, uh, you know, a lot of uh, she's in Nip Tuck. She's been in American Horror Story, other things like that. Um, and sort of the, I guess, the love interest, the neighbor, uh, Zazi Beats. Sorry if I mispronounced that. She's good. The one that actually really um, I was, uh, and I was actually pleasantly surprised to read that Alec Baldwin initially was cast in the role because I, I kept. Uh, Brett Cullen, he plays Thomas Wayne in it. Um, so I kind of got a lot of Alec Baldwin vibes. And then I actually read that Alec Baldwin was cast in the role of Thomas Wayne, but then eventually um, he had to step away from the role. Now, um, Th- Brett Cullen has been in lots of things. I know he's in Lost, um, but he's also, I believe, uh, in Make It or Break It, I think was a, a gymnastics show that I watched uh, quite some time ago. Uh, he was in Desperate Housewives. Uh, he's he's one of these people who just pops up in a lot of things, but uh, he's Goodwin in Loss for anyone. Uh, I I mean, I feel bad for saying this. He hasn't aged very well. He's definitely aged a lot since he was in Loss. But he's good. He's really good as Thomas Wayne. Because this... We don't get a lot of Thomas Wayne. Because generally in all Batman material, we just get the flashback of him dying in an alley. So this is kind of maybe the most I've ever seen the Thomas Wayne character actually... Portrayed. I don't. I don't know if we've ever seen Thomas Wayne as in depth as we do in this movie. Yes, I agree. Um, Did you get Alec Baldwin vibes from this guy? I, I totally know what you mean. Um, I think that I need to think about all the actors that you just listed again because it feels it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it has a large cast. Like as many people as you just named, it really feels like you've got two maybe three characters i guess because you have joaquin phoenix um as obviously your main who you've never had a movie that's more based on one person and one character i think like i realize it's expected with the title being joker but i think that it's more centered on him than i would have expected i Mm. again like i expected to see batman and i didn't like, I think that it just, it's a little bit more, yeah, centered around him than I expected. It's its definitely one of these ones where you, you kind of, you're like, oh, am I going to see a Batman cameo? Like, it's, I don't think you go into this with that expectations. It's not like, um, you know, like in, uh, what am I thinking of, Suicide Squad, where you do have a Batman cameo or kind of, you know... <laughs> Uh, yeah, there is a scene with Batman in it. Um, you know, because it's kind of cool when you have those moments. But again, going back to my point about this is meant to be a standalone movie. It's and it's it, look, there is Thomas Wayne's in it. Um, I think most people know that there is Bruce Wayne's involved in in it to a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, he's very young in this movie. Um, there is at least one other notable uh, Batman, I guess, person involved. With the Wayne family, who has a brief scene, oh, yeah, very brief, uh, very scene. brief scene. But again, it, but it's not done to a point where all of a sudden you're like, "Oh my god, look, it's it's Bruce!" Like, "Oh my god, look, it's it's Tom!" Like, again, going back to my point about you can watch this movie and have no knowledge of Batman, no knowledge of anything. It's just it stands on its own two feet. It does, and it's just it's hard to think about the supporting roles because there's as much as there's a very few amount of roles. Oh, and I just realized one of the plot twists you were th- talking about earlier. Um, it when you think about the bigger picture, and when you think about that list of people, it actually does make a lot more sense. Mm. Um, that being said, two of my main things: one, there is a bath scene. If you are going to see this movie, do not laugh in the bath scene. It is not funny. 
it is not something to be judged. Some people don't have the money and have to support their family on their own. Like, who the heck do you think you are to laugh? Second, it just makes me really uncomfortable. Sorry. Just makes me really uncomfortable. There's this one scene, and this guy next to me laughed, and I just wanted to hit him so hard. I know I was really annoyed because I just thought it was rude. Like, yeah. and inconsiderate. And, like, how how can you feel that way towards another human being? Because it is not a sexualized scene in any way whatsoever. And the guy next to me clearly was like, oh, this is weird. This is uncomfortable. Like, I don't know what to do. Grow up. The second thing. I don't remember what the second thing was. I got too angry. Sorry. Well, I, I, I think that is a a very good point because that reminded me of um when we saw Rocket Man and you have the, the sex scene in that movie and did we not was it the people in front of us or behind us made a comment about being uncomfortable or something with it or something or they said like, Oh, if I if I knew that was gonna be in it I wouldn't have seen it. And they're like the way that was done in Rocket Man, it was just done like this is a normal thing. It's just two men having sex. And that to me is what I watched it as. Um, and like obviously some people it's like, oh, it's a bit confronting. I've never seen this before played out this way. Like it's usually like it's a shock value. Oh, look, two men, gay men are having sex. But like to me, Rocket Man was done beautifully where it was just like this is just a character having sex with somebody who he's into who gives a shit if it's just he happens to be gay. Like what does it matter? Yeah, and the scene that I'm talking about in The Joker is very similar where it just – is a normal yeah. way of life for the people involved in the scene. And I think, like, I viewed it as completely fair. I viewed it as, honestly, very tastefully done. And again, it wasn't a scene to be sexualized in any way. And the fact that someone did makes me just, like, it just makes me sad to be a part of the world. And I think that that was, again, something emotional and raw about this movie because it was so realistic that it just like makes your heart hurt for the current state of our society and of the world like i think it was just even though it is set in gotham which is a fictional city it feels very relevant well i think you that's it leads into a good point because we have at least a couple of scenes here where it goes back into that um feeling empathy for for the joker is sort of you know there's a couple of moments where like he's attacked just because of him being a bit different and you know, there's obviously the key scene really that changes things in this movie without spoiling it, where it's kind of, it involves that. And then sort of an act is done by the Joker and that kind of sets things into motion. And that's, that's on one of those levels where initially you're like, okay, I understand why he's done that because of what was just happening to him. But then obviously that flicks the switch in his head and kind of, it goes from take to that. That's exactly like monster with the Eileen Warnett's movie with Charlie Theron. Basically her first kill is basically like she's in the midst of being raped so she's self-defending herself, so she kills this guy because she's being brutally attacked and raped by an absolute maniac. If you leave it there, and then all of a sudden go, cool, right, boom, self-defense, I'm traumatized, but I'm going to get on with my life. Yep, sympathy. It's it's that next level where all of a sudden you go, well, hang on a minute, I actually enjoy doing that. I'm going to keep killing people because of what I did. There's that level. And that's what a lot of this movie is. And I think that's really done. One person I just want to quickly mention too, uh, who I've been all day trying to think, who the hell is that guy? His uh, work friend um, in the beginning of the movie, the one who gives him the gun. <laughs> he played uh, Barnes in Third Watch for two episodes. He was, um, if you remember, in the fifth season, the guy who in jail Cruz and Bosco go to see because he's willing to give them information on the bigger bad 
and yet Cruz doesn't want to because he killed her sister. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's that's who that was. So yep, that's been uh, on my mind all day. Um, I really don't know what else to add. I think this is really a movie. I think that you need to experience, and I, I really do think again, you're really going to love it or you're going to hate it. I think there's not a lot of middle ground. I think just take your expectation at the door. Like if you love, you know, the Joker comic book character, you love kind of, you know, the, all those different levels and everything. Like just just don't expect that. Expect something completely different, and just so groundbreaking and raw. I. I'll just jump in and say I'm obviously buying it. I, to me, this is the best film of 2019 so far. And, like, th- this has been a pretty bad year for movies. We, You and I haven't had a lot of luck this year seeing good movies. Um, you know, we've done a lot of rents and a lot of bar- uh, bins this year. But hands down, this is what the best film I've seen all year. I, I would even go as far to say this is one of the best movies I've seen of the decade. I know it's very fresh on the mind and kind of everything like that. And, obviously, Colin and I will be doing a best of the decade episode before the year is out. But this at the moment is making my, you know, at least top 10 lists, maybe even top five. This is a movie that will stay with me for a long time and that I I honestly appreciate the hell out of. Um, And I would be more than happy to see this sweep the Oscars. It's very early days, as you said. We're only in October. The the major films won't be released until the coming months. And there's a lot of whispers around some other films out there. But this got an eight-minute standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival. It won the People's Choice Award there. Um, It's getting a lot of whispers. And the the latest odds that I've seen, uh, you sort of put Joaquin Phoenix very much at the top, I think, with Leonardo DiCaprio from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So plenty of time to come. I think we said this last year. We'd just seen uh, Star is Born about this time of last year and i think straight away we were like look yeah look this is going to be a good chance for bradley cooper lady gaga and obviously they ultimately didn't end up winning any but um yeah easy buy from me and i thoroughly recommend seeing this film don't see it if you're very squeamish and easily scared and it's not a good date movie just just putting it out there like if you you know meet a guy or a girl on tinder and you're like oh cool let's go to the movies like don't expect to get laid after seeing this movie just just putting it out there Unless you're into that shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I still haven't made a decision on where I'm at with this movie because everything inside me wants to say Bennett. But after talking about it for 38 minutes, I also really want to say buy it because as much as I did not enjoy it, that doesn't make it a bad film. And I am still so torn inside. So we're just going to wait on that answer for a minute. Um, Full disclosure, I don't know what the ratings are around the world because we kind of looked into it last night and I don't really remember. But if you are under the age of 18, do not go see this movie, please. Um, I I think we worked at at least Australian ratings MA, which is 15 and under. And I think it's... See... I think because I read it's the first comic book movie to ever be rated R in the States, which I think R is 17 and under, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Mallory as a 17-year-old could not handle this movie. Mallory now can't handle this movie. Like, I don't think that someone 16 years old in Australia should be going to see this. I I, I mean, I agree. I think it's... it's, A word that I like to use when we podcast is dark. Like I always I always use the word dark to describe movies that are dark and this one I don't use that word for because it like I just it's not strong enough to me for this movie because it isn't like it isn't a 
dark movie. It's just a twisted movie, I think. And it's I called it last night a psychological thriller, which is probably total no, a psychological horror, which is probably totally off base on how movies are actually put into genres. But to me, that's what the comparison is because it it hurts your head to think about it. it hurts your heart to think about it. it hurts my stomach like I still feel sick about it. I wouldn't call I personally wouldn't call it a horror. that's just me. But, um, and, I, and I would say, like, I agree with most part you say, but just to your point about a 16-year-old, I think, at least on the Australian rating scale, like, you've got R and MA, I don't think it's bad enough to warrant an R rating. I think that I've seen R-rated films which have less in this and still get an R rating somehow. I think, I mean, obviously, they're very strict in the classification. It all, it all comes down to the amount of gore they're showing on screen, the amount of nudity, the amount of language mm-hmm. that they use. So I think they've, they've done enough in this movie with the, the language and the gore and the disturbing nature that it fits that MA rating. They could have amped it up even a little bit more to get to that R rating, but I think then that in the States makes it NC-17 and not many films want to go NC-17 in the States. I think that the thing to me is that as far as the gore goes and as far as the nudity and swearing goes, it's... Okay, I close my eyes for most of the gory bits, so I don't know if that's actually more than, like... Like, it, eh, for what I'm trying to say is for those bits alone, I, I agree with the rating. That's fine. But as soon as you add that very disturbing nature into it, like how twisted this film is, how uncomfortable you are for most of the movie i think that that is where for me the line is drawn and for me i don't know if i like i i don't want to send a 16 year old to see this movie i don't i don't want to send a 23 year old to see this movie like it's it's a hard movie to watch because of that raw emotion again (sighs) yeah i'm gonna bin it i'm sorry i i can't if it was purely on how the film was made and how well done it is, I would 100% buy it. But I just still feel so sick about it. And I love that I have such an emotional reaction, which again adds to the fact that I want to buy it, but I just I can't. And look, I, I expected, I fully expected you to do that. Like, that's that's fine. And I, I completely understand why you do it. Just for our Australian listeners, and I don't know if they use this the same in Canada. I'm sure you or Colin can um, mm. come back and credit this. So the state's ratings, G, general audiences, PG, parental guidance, PG-13 is uh, str- material strongly recommended parents should accompany them because some material under the age of 13 is not appropriate. R is under 17 requires accompaniment by a parent, adult, or guardian. And NC-17 is restricted. No one under the age of 17 can be seen. So Australia, you have G, general admission, PG, recommended for you know parental guidance. M is recommended for people 15 and over, although you can still see it if you're 15 and under. MA is restricted. You've got to be 15 and over. Although you asked me this question, I 100% don't know if you can go see it with a parent i think you might be able to uh similar to the r rating there because obviously this is ma in australia so r in the states and yeah if it's r18 in australia you cannot see it if you are when i used to work for sanity and somebody bought an r-rated dvd i had to ask for id if they you know ma i also had to ask for id but if they were an adult i could let them have it so yeah and just to the words of advice of people trying to get away with it you can't go and i turn around and say no you can't buy an r-rated dvd if you've got no id come back five minutes later with the phone and go i've got my mum on the line she says i can buy it not gonna believe you mate no (laughs) just that's not how it works um 
I'm excited that we're back here, though, for another review. It's a good one, and I think you've, we've done well today. This has not been done in 20 minutes and gone, Lion King sucks. Don't say it. Um, we will be back. We've got a few, obviously, a few more for the end of the year. Um, the, the big ones, obviously, being Terminator, Dark Fate, and Star Wars, uh, The Rise of Skywalker, which, of course, both we are currently, uh, well, at least Terminator, we're two films in, three to go. Uh, so that's coming up in a few weeks and Star Wars is starting uh, in only a, about a week or so I believe uh, 10 films to get through before we get up to of course the rise of the Skywalker so keeping those weeks ticking along but other ones I think in between now and then I think you're uh, very keen to drag me along to Frozen 2 yay uh, whether or not we end up doing a recap on the first Frozen if we do a recap if we watch the first Frozen and you want to do a recap on it you're hosting it and you're deal. going through it 100% deal this will be the first time you've ever gone through play by play like you're going to take notes I can gonna- do it you promise? You promise our listener? I do not promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what else was there to see? There was something else we were talking about seeing between now and the end of the year as well. Um, Ford versus Ferrari. Ford versus Ferrari was definitely one of them as well. Uh, so Christian Bale. Uh, Matt Damon. Uh, Christian Bale. So she's going to go and perv on Christian Bale. I'm going to go perv on the Ferraris. I like Matt Damon too. I I like both Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Absolutely love both of them. But to me, I'm going to be one getting aroused over the car. Not the... uh, Even though I know Ferrari loses in that movie. Spoiler alert. So anyway, um, so stay tuned to that. And obviously outside of our movie coverage, we do have our... Oh, burps apparently. Um, TV Arms, Third Watch, Lost, Survivor... All being covered between now and then. But yes, Joker, go and see it. My name is Ben and the Joker is me. The Joker is me. The Joker is me. That song wasn't in the movie, was it? No, but I've not covered Kath and Kim yet, so I felt the need to (laughs) sing the song because it's about... Sorry. My name is Mallory and I don't have a quote so I can't Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.